All right. This is Pre Will and Franklin here at KPFA. I'm on the phone uh, live with Aisha Juman of uh, on the ground in Yemen. She's in Sana'a, which is the capital. It's the largest city in Yemen with a nearly 4 million people. At least there was nearly 4 million people there. We'll get some information coming up. Um, it has been the capital until recently when there was declared a temporary capital by the temporary president of uh, Mansour Hadi. That was in March of 2015. Uh, Sana'a has also been the epicenter for much of the conflict. So um, thanks for joining us, Aisha. I wanted to just get your feeling of, you know, what's going on in Yemen, what's going on uh, for daily life for Yemeni people and especially in Sana'a. Um, so what is it like there right now? What's been happening uh, lately? Thank you, Frank, for inviting me to speak. Um, Sana'a, as you know, has been under siege. Um, by the Saudi-led coalition. So there are no uh, flights that come to Sana'a. Uh, people have to travel to Aden or Hadramaut if they can to get out of uh, Yemen. That's actually a very challenging trip. Um, I took it myself. I flew to Aden, and then it took me over 12 hours to reach Sana'a through very rugged roads. And then flights can be delayed or canceled at any point in time. Um, so for our flight from Jordan to Sana'a, uh, the Saudi coalition would not permit the flight from Aden to go to Jordan, so it was delayed eight hours. And we were actually the lucky ones because there are times when the flight is actually canceled for a week and people get stuck in uh, a lot of airports. In Sana'a, since the come, which has been about 10 days. There have been three bombings uh, that were very close that I heard personally. Um, unfortunately, the only planes that fly over Sana'a are, um, you know, planes that bomb the city. So last night, starting about midnight, Sana'a time until about three in the morning. And actually, even now, um, we could hear the jets flying over the city. A lot of people um, are concerned because they don't know where they're going to bomb. So that's how I felt uh, at midnight last night. And I couldn't sleep because I wasn't sure where they're going to be bombing or they're going to be bombing in our neighborhood or they'll be bombing somewhere else. Um, our neighborhood where my parents live have been bombed extensively. Um, so if you go out the street, and the house, you see a lot of destruction. As you drive through the city, um, again, you see a lot of the buildings that have been destroyed and have been destroyed. Um, a lot of the bridges to the city from other uh, places have also been destroyed, um, and that is purposeful because the Saudis want to cut the city off. The people here are extremely resilient, although it's really very challenging. Uh, prices are very expensive uh, for food, and I don't know if you're aware, since August 2016, uh, public servants have not been paid salaries because they moved the central bank from Sana'a to Aden, which cut off the people, um, the civil servants. So we have civil servants who are working without salaries since August 2016. 
I visited a lot of the health centers because that's my area of expertise and learned that the cancer cases had almost doubled in the last few years. And not just that, they don't have access to medicine. Uh, so there, is a, uh, there are a lot of people who just have to endure the pain and their families cannot afford to buy them the medicine. Uh, if the medicine is available in Yemen, because, because of the blockade, a lot of the medicine doesn't get in. The Saudis would, you know, hold a ship that's carrying goods coming to Yemen for up to 83 days. And a lot of the times, by the time it allows a ship to dock and the medicine to come out, a lot of the medicine uh, has expired. Well, we at the Yemen Reconstruction Foundation felt that when we got a donation of medicine from AmeriCare. Um, it was held at sea, then it was held at Aden port, and by the time it was allowed to get out, one of the medicine had only 30 days. So the situation is very, is very challenging for the people here. So um, uh, let me ask you yet this. the people are very resilient. Let me ask you this. How are people, um, we know that there's a mass starvation happening. People are dying every day. Children are dying every day of hunger. So how are people around you where you're at, how are they coping and getting food to, to survive on a daily basis? You're absolutely right. I actually just read the report uh, from the UN last night and it says that we have about 8.4 million people in Yemen who are starving today. And, uh, and people in Yemen, there are a lot of internally displaced people as well that they are not in camps like you see with other wars and emergencies. Many people actually uh, go and live with other family members, uh, friends, acquaintances, and so they get absorbed into other families. So a family that used to support six now is um, you will have 30 people in the house because they're not just absorbing their families, they're also absorbing other families that had fled the fighting, for example, in Hadeida that's going on right now. And so people are helping one another uh, with whatever they can. There are a lot of charities, including, including our organization, where we distribute food baskets to families that sustain them for one month. Uh, the World Food Program also distributes food baskets as well to people. But that's just... it's only an emergency measure that does not deal with the cause of the problem. So the cause of there are two reasons why we have that many people. One is the war itself, but it is the blockade that's killing more people silently. Uh, we, we've read a report recently where people, the people that have been killed by the war is over 91,000 people. That does not count people who die from malnutrition. That doesn't count people who die from cancer. That doesn't count people who die from diabetes, people who now cannot afford the medicine because it's become very expensive, or the food because it's become very expensive. Only about 20% of what Yemen needs is allowed in, into the country. And that's compounded. So the first year, 20%. Of what Yemen needs, the second year is 20%. So right now we have really uh, everything, if it's available, it's very expensive. You have people who are now selling 
everything in their homes, from furniture to even their books, so they can feed their families. You have people who are now selling their kidneys so they can afford food for their families. So one of the things that we need people to understand is the blockade is one of the main reasons we have such a devastation on the population and the hunger that we see. And that really needs to be lifted if we are able to save the people who are starving. There is no aid in the world. There is no aid in the world that will support a population of 29 million people. The UN reports that says that 24 million of the 29 million in Yemen today are in need of some assistance. There is no aid that can support 24 million people. They need to open the ports. They need to open the airport. Food needs to come in on a commercial basis, not just aid that comes in. Because that's, not, that's why we are where we are, because food, food and medicine and fuel um, are not allowed into the country freely. And how are people trying to stay safe out there with bombs dropping? Um, you can gather in a building, but are the buildings safe? Where are you guys uh, all trying to stay safe? To be honest, there is no safe place in Yemen. There is, because we've known they have bombed hospitals. 50% of the hospitals in Yemen have either been totally damaged or partially damaged by the Saudi airstrikes. We know they have bombed funerals. We've known they have bombed every food source in Yemen had been bombed. Whether you have a chicken farm, whether you have a, a, you know, a cattle farm, all the food sources have deliberately been bombed. So there is no safe place in Yemen. You can be bombed in your car on the road. You can be bombed in your home. You can be bombed in the market. You can be bombed in your workplace. Radio stations and TV stations have been bombed. Even prisons have been bombed. So there is no safe place. When I heard the uh, planes uh, this morning around midnight until 3 a.m., there, there, is no, there is nothing I can do. There is no safe place in Yemen. You just have to pray and hope that you wake up to the, the next morning and you're still alive. And people have resigned to that. They, they will tell you there is no place to, to hide. You just have to, to assume that that maybe is your last day. And that's terrifying. Now, let me ask you... Um... What are the, the hopes of the Yemeni people? This conflict has been going on for years now. The country is being laid waste. Um, we just talked about the people are starving and dying every day. What are the hopes of the Yemeni people right now? They hope for peace. Everybody here cannot wait for this to end. They hope for the planes not to fly over them and bomb them. They hope for their airports to be open and they can travel freely. They hope for a day when they know they can wake up and they're still alive and their kids in school are still alive because they're not bombed. They hope for, like everybody else, for a, a, a dignified living. Uh, they hope that they don't get sick. We have 1.5 million cases of cholera in Yemen now. 
they hope that they don't need to worry about whether they're going to die because they have cholera or they're going to die because they're bombed or because they're going to, their kids are going to die because there's a bacteria outbreak, there's a measles outbreak, you name it. They just want peace. They're, in terms of the mental being of the Yemeni people right now, uh, people are under a lot of stress. Um, I'm sure, and I don't have the statistics on this, there is a lot of depression. We hear in Yemen about people uh, committing suicide, which is something that we've never heard before in Yemen. If you kill yourself, that's a sin that nobody will forgive. So we've, we hear a lot of people committing suicide, and also we hear uh, of a lot of people who are dying of heart attacks, people who are in their 30s and their 40s, um, and a lot more than normal. And I'm sure that stress is um, one of the reasons that we are seeing uh, this devastation as well. Imagine if you don't know if you're going to wake up the next morning. Imagine if you don't know your kid may not have a meal, uh, not just for a day, but for a month. I remember a month ago when the Saudi uh, bombed a school, and and it was a school for girls. One of the moms, when she heard her daughter was killed, she cried and she said, she asked me for breakfast before she left this morning, and I did not have food for her. My daughter died hungry. That's, that it, that's very powerful. That is very powerful, and very it's very sad and devastating to, to hear. Every home in Yemen has had someone who died. Every single home in Yemen. Wow. Well, what would you like to say to the American people who hear this story tonight and hear this show about um, the U.S. role in Yemen? And um, what would you like the American people to know? I'd like them to know that the war was announced from Washington, D.C. by the Saudi ambassador and the foreign minister. It was not announced from Riyadh. I'd like them to know that with, without the U.S. arms and the U.S. support, this war would not have happened and would not have continued. I'd like them to know that despite the fact that Congress, um, the Senate and the House had voted to stop supporting the Saudi war on Yemen, the president vetoed that and they continue to support them. And it, the people in Yemen are killed by American-made arms. Everything, and, and they will showcase it. They will showcase the bombs that have been dropped on their schools, on their places of worship, on their farms, on their funerals, on their weddings, and everything says made in America. The planes that they fly over Yemen and bomb, these are American planes. The targets, unfortunately, are also provided by the U.S. government. The U.S. government, without the U.S. government support, this war wouldn't have happened in the first place, and this war would not have continued for over four years. And this devastation that the Yemeni people are facing is because of the U.S. support. And it is my country, it is the U.S. as my country that's doing this to the Yemeni people. And I am very upset that the country of the free, the country of the brave, the country that cares about democracy, 
is supporting one of the most repressive regimes in the region and allowing them to commit war crimes. Every time there's an investigation about the war crimes committed in Yemen, it's the U.S. government that stops that from happening. So it is the U.S. government that is responsible for what's going on in Yemen. And I would like people to contact their representatives, to contact their senators, and make sure that we, as a U.S. As citizens, make our voices heard that we do not want to be part of the atrocities that are committed against the people of Yemen. And that's the voice of Aisha Juman, and she's coming to us live from Yemen, the capital city of Sana'a. Well, we are out of time. Um, we're going to continue the conversation with the folks here in the studio. We thank you for um, we thank you for this on the ground report, and we uh, hope that you keep yourself safe, you stay protected out there, and that um, someday you could come visit us here um, safely, and we'll see you in person. Thank you for talking to us tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care.